be entering into a time where we really just take the beginning of the year. There's something powerful about first things. Um, sometime I ought to preach a sermon on that. But there's something powerful about the first day of the week and the first hours of the day and the first days of the month and the first month of the year. There's just something powerful about dedicating the first to God. And there's also something powerful about the first 10% of your income. The first, there's a lot of first things in Scripture that, that God wants us to give to Him. And so, as a church, we're giving God the first of our year, the first 21 days. We're taking three weeks, and we are pursuing God with everything that we that we have. We're just going after God. And, 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 and this sermon series is going to parallel... Um, that time, and so I'm going to be speaking to you really about prayer and about how you can pray and how you can pray effectively, and um, and especially I just feel like what God really wants us to do in 2016 in general is God wants us to move, um, not necessarily move houses, but God wants us to move in 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 our spirits. God wants us to move from where we are right now to the next level, and I don't know what the next level looks like for you. But I believe that you are able to, by the grace of God, you are able to move. And so um, my, my mission, really, this year is to help motivate you and instruct you and educate you on how you can move, on how you can take those next steps. And so wherever you are today, I believe the word of God for you is move. Get moving. Don't, don't, don't stay where you are, we're at in 2015. Don't, don't, don't get stuck. But rather, um, take Take a, take a step and move. And so that's really what we are, what we are pursuing God for. We want um, to move in our personal lives. We want to move forward uh, in, our, in, our, in our marriages and, and in our parenting. We want to move as a church. We want to move forward and win more people to Christ and tell more people about the love of Jesus. We want to do more mission outreaches. We want to impact our community. We want to move. And so um, uh, the, the first sermon series of the year that we're going to be looking at today is, is just a step statement um, that I think kind of encapsulates how I'm feeling here at the beginning of 2016, and that is, uh, don't keep calm. You've heard those, those sayings, uh, uh, keep calm and carry on. Um, that's the British way. We are not British. So <laughs> they start colonies that they can't handle, and then we take them over. Come on, somebody. Um <laughs> I'm just saying, it's been a couple hundred years, but I'm just saying, it, 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 like, uh, I, I think, you know, we need to um, get a little bit, I don't know, uh, frustrated maybe, a little bit um, uh, anxious, a little bit uh, uncomfortable, because the calmness is, is basically killing us. The quiet, calm, the things will come as they go, and things will, everything will work out. All, all, all of that sounds good, and it's really nice, but, but what, what happens is you can be so calm that you get stuck. And, and I'm not saying that everybody just needs to go crazy, because that's not a good idea. Um, certainly, we need to rest in God, but God is always moving. God's not hanging out in one place at one time. God's never motionless. He's never... To rest doesn't mean that you stop moving. It means that you stop worrying. So, you know, cut the worry and get a fire under your butt a little bit and, and move. 
truth. Like, like the, the, the calmness to me, the apathy is, you know, I mean, we, we talk a lot about the enemy, right? And, and uh, we talk about the, en- the, the enemy, the Satan, he's out to get us and he's trying to, and that, that is true. But to quote Mumford and Sons, if you had an enemy as big as your apathy, you would have won. So I think sometimes the biggest apathy in your life, or the biggest enemy in your life, is your own apathy. It's your own calmness. It's your own stuckness. It's your own stillness. I'm preaching to myself as well because this is this is this is this is my life as well and and I, I feel God calling me and especially in the next 21 days to move to take a step to take a step forward to not be comfortable where I'm at but to step out of that comfort zone certainly a year ago in January we stepped way out of our comfort zone um, uh, as, a, as a launch team um, two years ago God called my wife and I to plant city chapel and so we began telling people about it in March and um, some people kind of started joining us here and there. And, and so we started having some prayer meetings and there's just some strategy meetings about how, how are we going to do this thing. And, 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 and that, that, that was good. And that was comfortable. We could all sit in a living room, you know. There was like 20 of us and that was nice. And, and we would go to somebody's house and we'd get, we'd, we'd get some good food. Emilio joined us during that time. Um, and, uh, you know, it was... It's called a callback when you go back. Anyway, um, you know, it was, it was a good time. It was comfy. It was nice. And lot, like a lot of nice people, a lot of great people. Actually, we're still with us today. Go Emilio. And, you know, it's like we, we, like we had fun together. We were bowling. We did stuff. And, and, and we, 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 we would talk about what, what God was calling us to do. And so, you know, you can talk about it and strategize and plan. But at some point, you, you have to actually do it, you know. And so January 25th came along. And we actually, you know, leased out the this building, um, which is not entirely cheap. Um, we sort of sold the farm. My wife and I cashed out on our on our retirement, and uh, we quit our jobs. We cashed out our, you know, our, we didn't have a huge retirement, but, you know, the $4,000 that we had in that 401k, it's no longer there. Uh, you know, because 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 we, we believed in what God was calling us to do. We stepped out in faith, and, and we had about 50 folks, about 50 adults with us um, by January 25th. But on January 25th, we had 250 people join us for that one service. And, 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 and right now, a year later, you're looking at about 140 people that we have on Sundays. So if you want to grow, if you want to, if you want to do something in life, you're going to have to move. You're going to have to, like, sell the farm. You're going to have to do something that you haven't done before. If you want results that you haven't had before, you're going to have to move. And so I want to I want to encourage you and prod you and poke you a little bit and, and maybe kick you just, just lovingly like Jesus would. And um, in order to help you understand how important it is, how important it is that you, that you, that you are not, uh, so calm. I, I think I think we're calm about stuff we're not supposed to be. We worry about stuff we're not supposed to worry about, and we are calm about stuff we are not supposed to be calm about. We worry about stuff that we have no control over, and we're calm about stuff we have control over. <laughs> we make excuses for stuff we... Oh, come on, somebody. We make excuses for stuff we have control over. 
but we but we wring our hands over stuff that we don't have control over. We're worrying about the wrong stuff, and we're not moving in the right directions. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And one of the greatest scriptures that I know of um, is found in Mark chapter ten when it comes to moving and when it, when it comes to not keeping calm. There's a we're going to be looking throughout the Bible of people who did not keep calm, and we're going to look at different areas and different ways in which God wants us to get uncalm. I don't think that's a word, but anyway, um, this is a made-up word. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. We're going to be looking at this passage right now. You've probably, if you've been in church at all, you've probably heard about this story. My mentor, Pastor uh, Wright, uh, this is like his favorite passage. He preached about it all the time. So I'm going to try not to quote him too much tonight, today. But anyway, verse 46 says, Now they came to Jericho. They is Jesus and his disciples. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples... And a great multitude, uh, blind Bartimaeus, the guy uh, who, it's interesting, blind Bartimaeus, it's, he, it's almost like blind is his first name, Bartimaeus is his second name. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to uh, cry out. He didn't begin to get calm. He didn't begin to, to, to take a nap. He began to cry out. And uh, another, another word for crying out is, is, uh, in Scripture, in, in, in the Christian Scriptures, is prayer. It's praying. Crying out is simply praying with a loud voice. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49 is shocking scripture. So Jesus stood still. Interesting. God is moving somewhere. God is going somewhere. And this blind Bartimaeus, we don't know anything about him other than his name, that he was the son of Timaeus, whatever, whoever Timaeus was. Blind Bartimaeus stops God in his tracks. That's the power of prayer. That's the power of taking 21 days to pursue God. God is moving. God's passing by. Bart, old Bart is sitting there. God's passing by. And Bartimaeus cries out, and Jesus stops. He stood still, and he commanded him to be called. Then they called to the blind man, a different message than they had given him like 30 seconds prior. Be of good cheer. (laughs) Cheer up, dude. Rise. He's calling you. Verse 50 is my favorite passage here, favorite verse here. It says that Bartimaeus threw aside his garments. He rose and came to Jesus. That's so important. That's so important. He threw aside his garment. He, he, he had a coat. He had, he had a coat that was covering him. He threw aside his beggar's coat. He threw aside his garment. He rose and... And came to Jesus. I think in 2016, God's going to call some of us to throw some things aside. Some some things we've been wearing for a while. Some things that have defined us. Some things that have, in the past, comforted us. But he throws it aside. He throws aside his garment and he rises. I think for some of us, in 2016, God's going to call us to rise up. And to use our legs that we've been sitting on for so long. To rise up. And so he see he rises up and he goes to Jesus. Whatever God calls us to do, he's going to bring us closer to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabboni, which means teacher, I want to receive my sight. 
Then Jesus said, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Psalm 145, 18 through 19 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all uh, who call on him in truth. That's important. Who all call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your word. I thank you this historical event of Bartimaeus and Jesus and disciples and that whole scene. That is not simply given so that we might understand history. That's given so that we might understand the history maker. <laughs> it's given so that we might see Jesus and we might understand who he is and how he acts. And so teach us, Lord. Teach us from this passage. Teach us from your word. Reveal to us who you are and help us to see you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I have a bit of a confession to make, um, and I'm not entirely proud of this, actually. Uh, I probably need to work on it in 2016. But um, I am, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but I'm kind of a make-doer. Is anybody else sort of make-doers? Like, you would rather make do than, than necessarily make it right? Like, some people are so, like... Um, perfectionist, I guess. I think I was born a perfectionist, but then I lived a while. <laughs> That's what happens. I don't know. But statistics say that 72% of Americans are actually more like me. So I feel kind of, you know, like I'm, I'm part of the popular majority. I'm kind of make do. And sort of, you know, to, 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 explain, to explain that, um, my car, like we, we have two vehicles in our family. Uh, we have the, 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 the Scion and then we have the Kia. Um, I, I drive the Kia. And, you know, we picked it up for $1,500 off of Craigslist from a shady place in town, down in San Antonio. And, you know, like we got in and we got out. That's what we did. And we got cash was exchanged, the car was purchased, and it's been, it's been a miracle, like, it's been awesome, like, God's really blessed the car, and the car has driven for us really well, well, like, uh, two years ago, the, the, the air started to go out, and so, what I mean by that is, like, you know, 10% of the time, the, the fan would not blow, um, this happened in the winter, you don't really, in, in, in Texas, you don't really need a fan in your car, really, um, in, in, in the winter, I'm from Michigan, so, like, we need heat up there, but down here, like, you, it's, it's fine. It's, it's good. You just put a, put a jacket on and you're cool. And, but it worked 90% of the time. It wasn't that big of a deal. Then that summer, though, like, I was kind of, it was, it was uncomfortable because, you know, it's a thousand degrees out there. And, like, you can bake cookies on your dashboard. And, you know, you get, <laughs> literally, and you get in the car and, you know, you turn it on. And, like, 80% of the time, the air worked. And it's just enough to keep me from, you know, like, losing my mind. And so I took it into the shop at that point And they said, oh, it's going to be, I don't know, 600 or 700 bucks or something like that. And I'm like, for 80% effectiveness, I don't want to spend, you know, 700 bucks. I just don't see that. And so, you know, I kept driving it. And, and, then, and then this past summer, though, it got down to about 20, 10% of the time it was working. Um, and this is not acceptable for me. But, uh, you know, $700 isn't really that, that, that realistic either. And so I found that if I, if I would start the car and, like, like, slam the passenger door, if I lean over and, you know, slam it, and, like, it would jar it. It would jar the fan. It would, like, start 
started blowing again. And so this, this worked for about a month. And then I, I'd be slamming the door. They wouldn't do anything. Then I found that if I got up to speed and I hit, like, potholes and speed bumps and stuff, that it would, like, jar the fan. And it would start blowing, you know. So while you guys are, like, swerving to miss stuff, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to hit it. You know what I'm saying? Like, just once. Just one good pop. And then, you know, the fan starts blowing. It's all good. But even that stopped working. And so, that, so my, 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 my latest thing in September was, like, I, I, when I started the car, I had to go out and, and pick the hood up and slam the hood down. And when the hood, like, you would, you would hear it kind of, and it would start blowing, you know. And it, 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 that's kind of my purpose. I'm just kind of a make-doer, right? Like, I'll just kind of, I'll, I don't know if I'm just too tight or too chintzy or cheap. I don't know. Like, some people, it's like, if it's not working, we just got to throw it away or fix it. No, I can't, I can't deal with imperfection. I'm okay with the uh, mediocrity, you know. I'm sort of all right with 80% of the time working. It's a flaw, and I need to work on it. But, um... The same, like, like same, same thing like with dress shirts, right? Because like you can have a dress shirt that uh, gets a tear or a stain somewhere, and and if, and if I have some dress shirts I can only wear like with jackets. Like, I don't know if anybody has that in their closet, but I have some dressers that got stains on the back or, like, you know, different areas. And, uh, you know, you can only wear it, but if you put a jacket, nobody, nobody knows, so it's all good. This is not, this is not one of those shirts. This one I can, I can rock out all the time, just check it out, and it works. Uh, but, you know, I, I love these, I'm just kind of, like, I don't want to throw it out because it's a good shirt. It works good with the jacket. That's just kind of my personality, and I think a lot of us are that way, and I don't know if that's a real problem in like everyday life, but I know that that's definitely a problem when it comes to your spiritual life, when it comes to your relationship with God. I think oftentimes we are make-doers. We're all actually pretty gifted at, 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 at getting comfortable um, with, with 80%, with 70% effectiveness, and, and 60% you know, passion, and, and 50% righteousness, and, and we grow accustomed to making do with the way things are. And what I want you to do is I want you to not keep calm and not be comfortable with the way things are. I want you to start to dream and start to yearn about the way that things could be. This guy uh, on the side of the road, he, he, uh, he, he has a coat. You know, he has, he has his coat and his coat is, is there. It's, it's, it's for comfort. Uh, it doesn't heal him. It doesn't fix his situation at all. But it makes it a little more bearable where he is. And, and so he covers up with his coat. He would also have had a cup. And so that's why I had my little city chapel cup up here because he might have gone to the world's okayest church. I don't know. Um, and he, you know, he would also have a cup, and he would have in that cup some some coins because his his main his main uh, mission uh, sitting on the side of the road was to beg. That's what Scripture says. He was a beggar, so which means he's got his his beggar robe on. He's got his coat on for for comfort against the cold nights, for for uh, uh, some 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 blockage between him and and the bugs. And then and then and, and, and then he has his cup, and he would basically sit on the side of the road and just call out alms for the poor. He would, that's what they would say, and they would. They would they would rattle the cup, and they would just ask basically for a handout, basically for anything extra. Do you have anything extra that you could contribute 
to my condition. Now, of course, nobody can fix his condition because 2,000 years ago, if you were blind, you were just blind. There was no uh, 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 service dogs that, that, that could help you. Nowadays, we've got a lot of technology and a lot of ways to help people with, with what used to be a crippling disability. One of my good friends in San Marcos is blind. He was, uh, uh, he was blinded um, two days after his birth accidentally by the, by the doctors. And, 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 and he's lived 90% blind. He has 10% um, eyesight in, in one of his eyes, completely blind in the other. But he's, he's put himself through college. He's, he's got a master's degree. He works at Texas State. He, he, he gets around. I, he, can, he can text. We can talk on the phone. And he's able to live a life. But, but 2,000 years ago, if you were, if you were uh, disabled in, in really any way, you were, you were on the sidelines. You were not able to participate in the hustle and the bustle of life. You see, he's sitting alongside the road to Jericho, which is a very, very busy road. It's like a freeway. I mean, it was, it was uh, the, the highway of the Judean countryside. Everybody went to Jericho to trade, to, to have commerce, to have conversations and, and lunch appointments and dinner appointments. And everybody's walking up and down this highway. And, 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 and they're all going somewhere, but not Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is not going anywhere because he's stuck. The difference, it's like the, the juxtaposition between Bartimaeus and everybody else couldn't be more profound. He's stuck. He's sitting there, and he has, we see he has a coat, and we know that he would have a cup for contributions. And this is, I think, a, a, a graphic picture of, of, of humanity. And I say humanity because I think we're all stuck in some area or another. I don't think any of us are really moving on all cylinders. I, I think at any given point in your life, even, even, even the people you think are on that freeway, they go home and they cry about stuff that they're stuck in. And so you see somebody, you think, you think they're cruising, but really they're feeling stuck. And they think you're cruising. And, and you're, we all have areas in our lives that, in which we are sitting as bystanders while everybody else is, is moving along. And we're sitting along there with our, with our coat for a little bit of comfort and our cup for a little bit of, of, of contribution. And, and what's interesting is none of these things can really fix our condition. None of these things can, can, can heal us. But they all make it a little more comfortable, <laughs> the place that we're in. The cup is contributions for survival so that we can buy some bread and we can live another day to beg on the side of the road. And the coat for a little bit of comfort while we're there. And we don't have any plans of leaving there because we have, we, have, we, have, we have situations and conditions that are outside of our control. And that's what blind Bartimaeus is in. He's sitting there on the side of the road. And we know uh, from Scripture that he's, his name is Bartimaeus, which is interesting because the Bible doesn't always tell us the names of people. Several people, uh, several stories in the Bible, you, you have these nameless characters. And whenever the Bible gives a name, that means that that person would have been pretty well known to the people that were reading this. So either he became you know, a great follower of Christ, or prior to this, he was somebody of, of some reputation. I mean, son of Timaeus. So whenever he lists the, the lineage of Bartimaeus, you want you, you you know that this is not just your average beggar. And I think that's one of the, one of the hardest things, actually, when, when, you, when you ought to be something that you know that you are not. When, when you feel like you were, you were supposed to, when you feel like you were destined for greatness, and then this disability, this crippling thing happened in your life, and then you're stuck on the side of the road. And, and in order, I think, in order to identify areas in which we are stuck, I think, I think it's important to, to think about ways in which uh, we would like to start moving. 
Um, for me, uh, in 2016, I've had I've had some people text me and say, you know, man, I'm, I'm praying for you, and I'm praying that this is the best year of your life. Somebody somebody text me text me that the other day, and I was like, that's massive, you know, the best year of my life. Like when I was seven years old, I got Nintendo. Um, how are you going to top Nintendo? Like. Like, I got, you know, when I was 14, I got Sega Genesis. What could be better than Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, breaking through walls and jumping? I mean, like, the best year of my life. I was 2006, I was married to Rose. That's right up there, babe. Yeah. Um, it's right up there with Nintendo and Sonic. <laughs> Uh, you know, in 2015, we started we started a church that I've been dreaming about starting since I was 12. And so that's pretty darn awesome. I don't know, you know, like, I'm like the best year of my life. And so I began to think about this. And I, I think it's interesting how um, we rarely think about what would the best year of my life look like. <laughs> because we're so used to making do with where we are. We rarely dream about where we would like to be. Even if we had the best year of our lives, most of us wouldn't even know that it happened to us. Because we never defined it. Because our main goal is to survive with some contributions and to, to get comfortable with, with our code. And so my challenge to you is, first of all, just, just, just think about what would it mean for me to have the best year of my life? What would that look like? What would the best year of my life look like? Um, I know for me personally, the best year of my life would look like, number one, I would need, um, little, I, I would need some more anointing. I would need more of God in my life. And I don't just mean to preach or to pray or, you know, to counsel people, but I mean for everything that God's called me to do. I would, I would like to have more passion in what I do. I would like to have more, more, more fire inside of me, more movement, less, 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 less making do. Um, I'd like a new car, actually, with the, with the blower that worked. That'd be sweet. Um, you know, I, like these, these, these are things that I think would contribute to the best year of my life. But also, I mean, I'm not just, I'm not just a pastor. I'm, I'm also... I'm also a husband. I would I would like for for my marriage to get better. Um, I would like for us to get more more real with each other and more supportive of each other when we are more real with each other. Um, I would say 2015 was one of the better years of our marriage in our nine years. I think we were more intimate um, as far as our connectedness um, than it's right up there. Maybe top two, top three years, I guess, of our marriage. I would say. <laughs> anyway, I like the projections. <laughs> we're in a, we're, we're we're going in a good direction. Um, like that would be great for that for that to grow. Uh, you know, because when you first get married, you're like you don't really know each other. <laughs> you know, you think you do, but you don't. And so the more you get to know each other, that gives you opportunity for intimacy because intimacy isn't just sex. Intimacy is where you you really 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 know somebody and you really allow yourself to be known. And so I've seen that a lot more this year. So I would love for that to continue. I would love for my kids. I would love for my kids to get on fire for God. That would be one of the best years of my life. I remember when I remember when my little girl, she's six, going to be seven, when she accepted Jesus into her heart. That was a that, that was a good year. 
that was a, that was that was a good moment. But um, when I was six years old, is when I started to get on fire for God. I was six. My brother was four. Actually, pretty similar ages. And we began getting on fire for God. We began going to prayer meetings, um, uh, noon hour prayer meetings. And my brother, like he like prayed the paint off the walls, you know. And uh, he was like, he just he'd be out there. Like I like I was very quiet and shy, so I'd go off in a corner and just kind of duck down and. But it was in those times that God challenged me about witnessing to my seven-year-old neighbor that I played basketball with. It was in those times that God started to call me to the ministry. I would love for my seven-year-old to have what I had in those in those moments. I would. I mean, we, we have we have good kids, and they they and they like Jesus, and they you know, and they 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 are learning about Him. But I don't want them just to learn about Him. I want them to be on fire for Him. I want them to. I, I, I want them to feel for Him what I have felt at their age. And yet, and yet, I, I, I think, honestly, that the level of their hunger for God is pretty similar to the level of my hunger that they would have hunger for God. Because that's something I can affect as their dad. That's something I can do. Somebody brought me to those prayer meetings and called my mom. Somebody, somebody spoke to me about God's call. My parents. Somebody had Bible studies with me. That's my parents. You, you, it's, it's not. It's not just you know roll the dice and hope that your kids get to meet Jesus. I, I actually am in charge of their environment. Ninety percent of their life, and so maybe it's time for me to get off the side of the road and get onto the road. We sit and we we we, we observe things that we feel like we have no control over. We watch them go by, watch them play out, we watch our family drama play out, we watch we watch it's just so much. We gotta watch our finances play out. We watch just stuff. Just just we're sitting on that freeway. Control. But the blind man did something that was within his control. He was blind, that's true. But he, the Bible says that he heard that Jesus was coming. So that means that his eyes don't work, but his ears do. <laughs> and so one of the secrets to, to not keeping calm is not to sit and stew about how everything's wrong. Not to sit and stew about how things used to be and how they're not anymore and how you used to be committed and used to be passionate and used to be on fire for God and used to care about other people and your family used to love each other. And all of the used tos, you 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 can feel the weight of that on the side of the road, and that can almost crush you, that can almost depress you, and that can make you just wrap the the coat of your comfort just a little bit tighter around you as you remember who you used to be or who who your family used to be or or how things used to be or how how America used to be, for goodness sake, for, you know, for how Texas used to be. And you can, you can, you can, you can sit down and you can just, you can, you can let all of that crush, that weight crush you, but that weight was never meant to, to crush you. That weight was meant to Put something inside of you that stirs up a fire that causes you to do something that you had never done before in your life. You see, so the, the scripture, if we can throw that back up on the, on the screen, verse 46 of Mark chapter 10 says, uh, Now they came, Jesus came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho. Look, there's nothing. It's a period. He came into Jericho, period. He went out of Jericho. How many blind beggars do you think were in front of Jericho and in Jericho? There's a lot. You can't drive through Austin without seeing people with cardboard signs asking for asking for money. Because anytime you have a big city, you have a lot of people congregating around hoping for a handout, hoping for contributions. But only one guy does something different. The scripture is just moving along. Jesus is moving. Jesus is moving. He's in. He's coming to Jericho. He's in Jericho. He's out of Jericho. Nothing of any significance happens during that time. But as they pass blind Bartimaeus, 
blind Bartimaeus did something different than all the other guys. He heard that Jesus was coming, that's one. But number two, he decided to cry out. And the difference between blind Bartimaeus and every other beggar and every other lame person and every other homeless person and every other person on the side of that road, the difference between Bart and them is that Bart did something with what he heard. He cried out. He lifted up his voice and cried out. He broke protocol. He, he, he didn't care who was watching. He didn't care what people thought about him. And he cried out. And he didn't just cry out, hey, Jesus, I really need you to do something for me. He cried out. He said, he said Jesus, have mercy. Because that's what we really need. Mercy is when, you, is when you get something that you do not deserve, that you have not earned. Bartimaeus is saying, look, I understand that my track record isn't perfect. I understand that my reputation isn't perfect. I understand that I have no reason to cry out to you, but I am crying out that you would show mercy to me. That is the cry that Jesus hears and he stops. Jesus always stops when people are crying out for mercy. And not only that, it says it says he began to cry and people told him to be quiet. Obviously, uh, they were raised in a church where the board of elders were not happy about people who cried out. And so they said, hey, you know, you, you, this, is, this is against our denomination. I'm sorry you can't do that. And so but he cries out all the more. And during that time, Jesus stands still and commands for him to be called. Then he comes. He lays aside his garment that had been giving him comfort. He lays aside his cup of contributions. And he, and he goes to Jesus. And when he comes to Jesus, the Bible says in verse 51, Jesus answered and said to him. Now that's interesting. Jesus answered and said. Jesus answered and, wait a minute. The man didn't ask a question. Like, how is it that Jesus answered and said to him? He didn't, there's, there's no written anything. The blind man is on the side of the road. Jesus says, hey, send that guy here. That guy gets up and comes, and then Jesus answers? What is he answering? What is, the only thing that I can see that he would be answering is not a question, and it's not English or Aramaic. It's not words coming out of the man's mouth. He's not answering his words. He's answering his actions. And this is the kind of language that God speaks, by the way. God answers actions. He, 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 he answers. He doesn't, he doesn't always answer uh, philosophical conundrums and, 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 and ways in which we're trying to figure out how the planet turns. He doesn't always uh, debate philosophy and, 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 and you know, argue the, uh, certain points of doctrine. God, oftentimes, He answers action. He answers, and this is why this is this is why several of us pray and don't get any answers because we're just talking English or Spanish or whatever your language is. We're just we're just talking words with our mouth. But God doesn't just answer words; He answers action. When the man set aside his comfort and laid aside his contributions, that's when Jesus answered him. Jesus saw that faith. Jesus saw that. And he said, okay, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? And in Psalm, the passage I read, it said, God answers those who call on him in truth. And so often we call on him in partial truth. And we call on him and we're very honest about how much we need him. But we're not very honest about how little action we have taken to find him. 
we, we hold on to the belief that, oh, we've been pretty good. But the greatest need you have for him is not for him to fix your job or fix your marriage or fix whatever, some other deal. It's you. <laughs> it's me. You know the old song? It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Yeah, you need to sing that again. That's the truth. We're on an airplane, and they're telling us, hey, you know, in case of emergency, the little mask will drop out of the ceiling. Put yours on first, and then put your kids on. And I had each kid on either side of me, and I know naturally, like, I, I would I would rather they survive than me. So my first inclination is going to be, all right, make sure that they can breathe. But but, but it's true. you got to put your mask on first. You can pray for everybody else in the world, but you got to put your mask, you got to get mercy for you first. Like you, you, because and Jesus, Jesus put it this way. He said, "He said, don't." He said, "You, you see people with, with 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 specks in their eye. Don't go try to remove the speck from their eye. First, get the log out of your own eye." And now our culture has taken that and said, "Don't ever talk to anybody about specks in their eye." And that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, first get the log out of your eye, so that you can actually go to them and you can see clearly to get the speck out of their eye." So long as you still have not received mercy, so long as you still have your issues, so long as you still have your stuff, you will always see other people through your stuff. You will see their issue through your issue, and your insecurity will come out, and your pride will come out, and your jealousy will come, and and you won't be able to see their issue clearly. You won't be able to pray for them clearly because you haven't removed your issues in your eye. So get, get mercy for yourself. Cry out to God for mercy before you start, you know, complaining about other family. I mean, but, but this is what we do, though. Like, this is how we, we comfort ourselves, right? This is, this is the jacket that we comfort ourselves with that, well, other people are worse off than us. And that's why the Kardashians are popular. Not because anybody wants to be them, but because everybody's pretty glad they're not. You know? It's like... Sorry, Kim, if you want to come visit City Chapel, you are welcome to visit, but you're not watching our podcast. So. <laughs> no, I mean, like, like this is why we, we have, this is why we, we have, like, desperate housewives and stuff, and, and you know, this is the, the folks in Atlanta, crazy people. And, like, this is why we are entertained by that, because it makes us feel better about us. We're not that bad. We're not that messed up. Wow, they don't even know what in the world. Well, I can't believe that family's doing that. No, what about your family? What about you? What about your relationship with your spouse? What about your 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 own stuff? You need mercy. I need mercy. And we 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 we, we settle for, for comfort when when the comfort never cures. We settle for, 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 for feeling a little bit better about ourselves when what God wants you to do is move from where you are to where Jesus is. You've got to get near Jesus. That's why we're taking 21 days of fasting and prayer. That's why that's 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 why I'm giving up, you know, like like you know, pizza and ice cream and and which, by the way, I've been eating pizza like nonstop all last week, like every single night, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, you know, and it's, I had a half gallon of ice cream yesterday because I'm getting ready for the fast. You know, so I've gained like five pounds just to you know help help secure things. But you know, like, like but this is this is why we're giving up stuff, not just so that we can say that we did it, but because we're going to bury our face in the carpet and let God know we need Him. 
because at the end of the day, you can fill up your cup, and you can get the warmest little bit of comfort, and and and, and from from everybody and from every direction, people can drop stuff in. Your friends can contribute. Everybody can contribute to your condition, but only Jesus can cure your blindness. And if you feel the weight of how things used to be or how things ought to be, that's not meant to depress you. That's meant to motivate you to do something about it. You say, well, you know, I'm, I'm blind in this area. I just, I, I, have, I have this disability. Look, nothing that you don't have can stop you from what God wants to give you. Nothing that you're missing. God doesn't need anything you're missing. God doesn't need anything that you don't got. Anything you've lost, God doesn't need what you've lost. God needs what you have left. And for this man, he had a voice. And he used that voice to cry out. And that's what we're going to be doing for the next 21 days. We're going to be crying out for mercy. We're going to be asking God for mercy for our families. We're going to be asking God for mercy for ourselves. We're going to be asking God to to intervene in every aspect of our lives. And I would would welcome you to join us. We're we're, um, we're meeting for prayer every single day. Uh, from 6 to 7. Uh, you can go to our website. You can get directions where each day we're meeting. We meet in different people's homes um, throughout the week. So we have three different homes that we're meeting in. And then on Saturday, uh, we're meeting um, at 9 a.m. Um, at, uh, at our office in Utah. And we're just going to pray. And we're just going to lift up our voice. We're going to cry out. We're going to get uncomfortable and recognize and really display Because that's 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 what it comes down to. It doesn't matter how how much stuff you get in your cup. When Jesus asked the man, "What would you want me to do for you?" I wonder. I wonder. I wonder what we would say if Jesus asked us that. What would you want me to do for you? And I think one of the reasons why we get bored with prayer is because we pray boring prayers. God said, "What would you want me to do for you?" You're talking to the God of the universe, and we're like, "Well, you know, I'm." I sort of had this cold the other day, and, and uh, my nose is running a lot, and that kind of sucks. And so maybe if you could deal with that, and um, you know, like a little more cash, a little more, you know, my kids need to get into a better school, like to drive a better car, live in a better house, bunch of stuff that uh, a thousand years from now nobody's going to care about, and no one's going to remember. I don't really care about where where you lived or what neighborhood or who you dated or or any, uh, the stuff that we that we distract ourselves with. But this man reaches down to the very center of his problem. He doesn't ask for a bigger cup or more money or a better coat. He says, I have an issue inside of me. I need healed inside of me. I want to receive what is rightfully mine. And so that's you today. Um, the first step to that is just putting faith in Jesus and saying, I believe that he is able to do that. I believe that he's able to, to give me my sight. I believe that in every area that I'm blind, in every area of my life that I'm blind, he's able to give me sight. Ephesians chapter 1 puts it this way. It says, uh, Paul says, I pray that, that the eyes of your understanding would be open." And that's really what we need so that we can understand what God is doing in our day and in our age. So that we can see what God is up to and we can join Him in that. And so if you'd like to receive Jesus into your heart and if you'd like to put your faith in Him, we're going to bow our uh, heads right now and just close our eyes for just a moment. Let's just, let's just be still. Let's just take just a minute. If this is something that, that you 
wanting to commit to or even recommit to. Just say, you know, I need, I need to get back to where I was. Would you just raise your hand with me and just say, I'm going to pray that, and this is, this is for me, and I accept that today. And, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Lord, for everyone who raised their hand, we just join our faith together right now. We, we, first of all, we, we confess our need for you. Just go ahead and say that. Say, God, I need you. Sorry for going my own way, but I I commit to follow you from this day forward. Lord, we 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 we, we do we, we join with those who raise their hands, and, and all of us are on the side of the road in one way or another. And we all uh, make a decision today. We all make a a, a choice today to set aside the, the things and the, the distractions that, that oftentimes comfort us but do not cure us. We lay them aside because we need more of you. We take the next 21 days as a church and we give up certain things. Some of us are going to fast sugar. Some of us are going to fast all food. Some of us are just going to uh, uh, give up TV or social media. But, but whatever you're calling us to give up. In fact, why, why don't you do that right now? Why, why don't you just ask God what it is that he would like for you to sacrifice and to give up during this time of prayer. Lord, we, we, we lay that before you and we just put ourselves out there that you can tell us anything. We know that you don't ever ask us to give up something for our benefit and for our good. Pray that you speak to us what we should give up and what we should lay down. What kind of contributions have we been relying on from other people? What kind of uh, stuff is in our human trying to fill up our cup with in order to help us survive and just make a living? But Lord, you don't want us just to make a living. You want us to really live. You want us to really live. So we make a conscious decision and effort right now to, as much as we are able, to set aside this stuff, to lay aside this stuff, lay aside these distractions, in order that we can see you, in order that we can get close to you. And the first thing the blind man saw when you opened his eyes, the first thing he would have seen was you. The first the person that he would have seen was Jesus Christ. And that's really all we really need to see. And after he saw you, he followed you. <laughs> after, If we could just see you, we would follow you. If we could be rid of our blindness and see you, if the eyes of our understanding could be open, and we could see you in our everyday lives, and we could see you in our jobs, and we could see you in our, in our scenarios, and we could see you everywhere, we believe that if we could see you, we would follow you. So reveal yourself to us. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see in every area that we're blind. In Jesus' name.